Hey guys, welcome Hi. to another episode of Conversations with Cat and Tully. In this podcast, we dive into conscious relationship, journeying through parenthood, and all things lifestyle creation. So join us in creating your own new normal as we share our stories and talk with some incredible leaders in their field. Thanks for being here, guys. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right, we're on. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome to our postpartum episode. Mm, episode uh, four. Episode four. And so we're really excited about this episode because this is the most recent journey that we've we're been on. We're still in it. We're, we're currently still deep in it. 11 weeks and two days. <laughs> You're that parent. I'm that parent. <laughs> Once you tick over 12 weeks, then you start measuring in months. But until then, <laughs> he's, he's decided. don't try and take this away from me. 11 weeks, two days, seven hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm that. I used to judge that parent and now I am that parent and I'm strangely proud of that. You're okay with it? Yeah, more than okay. Yeah, see, I'm not. I'm already like, nah, he's three months old. (laughs) Nah, all right. Well, anyway, guys, we're so deep in our postpartum journey at the moment. But the reason why we found this so important to talk about is because Mm. we have felt in our experience that we've had a really um, positive experience of postpartum. It's been amazing. And we are by no means experts in this field (laughs) whatsoever. (laughs) However, we feel like we really want to be sharing our journey through this Mm. as an example of potentially what's possible. Mm. Um, You know, I didn't really hear a whole heap about postpartum before I fell pregnant. I didn't really know even that preparing for postpartum was just as important, if not more important than birth itself. Yeah, more. And I had no idea, you know, like we had such an intentional um, conscious conception journey and then we had a really intentional pregnancy. We had a super intentional birth and we're really lucky that towards the end of our pregnancy, we took a look at our postpartum Mm. and what we wanted for that, but it could have been very easily not even looked at Mm. to be honest. Um, And I feel very grateful to our doula and midwife who really brought this to our attention. Um, Because if we had potentially gone through a system where we weren't getting like continual care and, you know, or just the heads Visits. up. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like yeah. normally you don't get a heads up yeah, really yeah, with yeah. postpartum. It's like, okay, make sure you've got some pads and <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe some, you know, Panadol. Mm. And then that's kind of, you know, so yeah. I feel very grateful that we had the heads up. And so I guess I feel a little bit responsible and I'm mm. sure how you can relate that I feel a bit like our job is to give other people a bit of a heads up. Yeah. And also... Um, show some examples of how they can prepare at home for their postpartum, but share not from a point of expertise, but just from our own journey and our own experience and story. Exactly. And it's just, it's fun. It can be fun to do. It can be fun to talk about, to learn about, to prepare for. Um, So, yeah, like on the whole, it's been a really enjoyable experience for us. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's been, you know, a few little challenges along the way, but that's life. There's there's little challenges along the way. But I think... um, just again bringing it into the conversation like yeah. that's all i feel like especially these first four episodes it's just four episodes of unsolicited <laughs> advice it's, it's really <laughs> like we're just <laughs> we're just sharing our what we've been through what we've learned take it or leave it um some stuff will fit and land some stuff won't that's all good and it's not um, the only way there are so yeah, many ways to go about all of ways. this stuff from conscious conception to pregnancy birth mm. beyond like 
And so I, I hope if some of you have listened to this whole seri- series, shout yeah. out to you. Um, and if you've just listened to this one, uh, welcome. And mm. just know that like, yeah, all of this is just our own experience. Yeah. And, and there is no right or wrong at the end of the day. You just have to listen to your gut and listen to your intuition and mm. really trust that uh, you know what's right for you on your journey. And if you're not sure, that's when you, you seek people out that... Um, you know, inspire you in some mm. way to have an experience that you're seeking, you know, yeah. like that's something actually I, I learned years and years ago was, you know, listen to the people who have an experience that you're wanting to experience yeah, yeah. rather than taking advice from the people who are giving you advice, but you don't want to be living that experience. Right. Yeah. It's like cool story, Janet, especially but. with things like parenthood, like the yeah. amount of advice that's thrown around, like put your kid on a sleep schedule. Don't put your kid on a sleep schedule. It's Co-sleep or put them the in a cot or this or that. Of course. Just like, like this. Everyone's just wanting to help. And th- at the end of the day, th- there's a beautiful part of that because it's just this sh- storytelling all the time, right? Mm. But I think it's important to get fussy with what stories you listen to as well. well. Yeah, just tune in. Like you'll you'll know. Yeah. Like just trust your instincts above all else with mm-hmm. all of this stuff is what I've learned. Because even some of the stuff we've got told, you know by people who know what they're talking about. Some stuff, I'm like, oh, you know, and it hasn't quite fitted and that's yeah. been cool too. And so. others have and we've been super grateful that yeah. they gave us some advice, yeah. you know, yeah. whether we asked for it or not. So it's just run it all through your own filter, including this. Yes, you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so let's, um, where to begin? Like, I guess the prep, it's almost like the prep for, and we might have addressed it a little bit in the, the episode we did about pregnancy, but really the preparation for the postpartum was during pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess the thing I'd, I'd love to start with is what for you um, maybe popped up that you weren't expecting. What were what were some some challenges that popped up because we were quite prepared and we had everything mapped out and we'll go into that but like during postpartum obviously yeah during yeah. postpartum yeah what yeah 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 um so i had heard about things like okay when your milk comes in you might have you know the baby blues for a mm. day or two or three or four even and to know that that's just temporary it's okay like so i was prepared for like hormonal changes i was prepared to feel quite sensitive and quite um you know, blown open. I feel like postpartum, especially those early days, you know, those first couple of weeks, even that first month is as a woman, you've kind of just opened yourself energetically, physically, spiritually, Mm. emotionally, more than you ever have in your entire life. And that is like very raw and you don't just close up straight away after you've given birth. Like your whole body and energy, energetic system just stays so open. Mm. And so, yeah, there is going to be sensitivity and this feeling of maybe some vulnerability. And there is also this feeling of really needing to be held by mm. yourself, by your partner, by your community. Mm. And, we'll, and we'll get into that soon. But so I kind of expected the sensitivity. I knew that this was going to be big, you know, along the lines of those rites of passage that we talked about in previous episodes. Like, mm. you know, it is a big thing that's happened. And to really hold reverence for that. Um, what I didn't expect 
was I guess with this uh, with a first baby like maybe I would have expected it you know having gone through it before but first baby I didn't expect after birth pains mm. you know cramping and contractions every mm. time I would feed Rafi and I remember th- being angry and frustrated and thinking oh my god like I've done my time yeah, yeah. let me just enjoy my fucking baby yeah, yeah, and yeah. why am I like literally having mild contractions every time he latches onto my boob didn't know that well, like I, I guess that that was the oxytocin and the womb c- coming back into its original size and that sort of thing. Mm. But I didn't expect that, and that made me quite frustrated and maybe like dread a little bit trying to trying to breastfeed. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, I knew that the milk would come in on day two or three or four. For us, it was day uh, two or day three. But what I didn't expect was the amount, how quickly. Like I literally could see my boobs growing. Mm. Um, I didn't expect them to get so hot and feel so engorged and swollen and like they were going to explode. This is, I don't know whether this is like it for everyone, but like I was genuinely it a bit like concerned. looked like they were going to explode as well. It's like, they're going to pop. <laughs> like I thought I'd be so soaked on like having these like, you know, fake looking boobs <laughs> being like, Tully's going to love this. And then literally, was, yeah, I was horrified. Wild. <laughs> it was, yeah, they looked painful. Mm. Like they were so... So engorged. Yeah. And I didn't really know, like, because my mum breastfed all seven kids. And so for me, breastfeeding and that sort of thing seemed totally normal Mm. and also natural. And, um, like, there was no doubt in my mind that we weren't going to breastfeed. Like, it was like there wasn't even another option. The thought didn't even cross my mind that a bottle or anything. Um, And so when I had my boobs so engorged, like, I'd couldn't uh Rafi couldn't latch onto the nipple because the nipple was so hard itself like it was Mm. engorged all the way up to the outside of the nipple and um the milk wasn't even really leaking out like it couldn't even escape and so everything was just sitting in my boobs and they were starting to get red and like with the our midwife she would come every couple of days in that first time Mm. and so like I knew I'd, I was like, oh, I'll ask her about the boob thing when I see her next, right? <laughs> I didn't even think. And I didn't realize how quickly it can turn bad mm. if it gets left. And so my boobs started getting um, red. And I would say maybe the early onset of mastitis. And I couldn't even pump them in the shower. Because mm. um, I was so sore. Because I was so yeah. sore and just so full. Like the milk just wouldn't come out. Mm. Um and obviously then, you know, I couldn't really feed Rafi. So I'm just like, oh my God, how do we, how do, we do this? His mouth was so tiny. Yeah. And my beautiful friend, Haley, our beautiful friend, Haley. Shout out Haley Lane. Shout out Haley Lane. Um, also, shameless plug right now. She owns this amazing hotel called Premalaya down in Yelling Up. And so if you're ever in the down south region, especially if you have kids or you're a family, um, Highly recommend. She's got this gorgeous yoga shala studio there that do classes and ceremonies and yoga and fun fact. It's actually where we ran our first living love retreat. Yeah, both of them, that's actually. where we did our yeah. first ever couples retreat. Um, but yeah, Haley's amazing. Just an absolute mama of the world. Yeah. Um, so she came over and she's an Ayurvedic practitioner as well. So she she brought her oils and she brought a towel and she came in, took one look at me put the towel on the ground she's like get lay down <laughs> get on the ground and i was just like well, what's going on and she just poured the oil over me and started massaging my chest and my breasts and my belly and my womb and she was getting into all the lymph nodes underneath my arms because they were rock hard and she was Looked just like agonizing it, it was it felt 
um, probably like I was halfway through labor, yeah. to be honest. And she was really like kneading out mm. these sore points and this like clogged ducts and moving it around. And, and she'd been doing it for maybe 15 minutes and then finally it went pop and milk started spraying into the air all over my stomach. And I was like laughing and in agony at the exact same time. Um, and then she just massaged the breast milk like into my body. And the energetic um, relief, I felt like yes, a physical relief. Cause like, you know, now when the letdown happened, like it wasn't painful as much, Yeah. but I felt like, I had been liberated energetically. And so there must have been some blocked up energy within my heart or within my breast for that to even happen, I would assume, because I felt amazing after mm. that, like like so energized. And I was just like, wow, like that literally felt like she'd done some body work or something on me as well. Even I felt relief. You felt relief. Being in the presence yeah. of it happening. So I can only imagine how <laughs> relieved. Yeah. Well, and I think it was also just hearing some stories of people talking about how bad mastitis can be. And a few yeah. people being like mastitis like can be worse than like in terms of like pain or discomfort, yeah. like worse than birth. Like, so it's one of those ones where, yeah, we really didn't want it to get out of hand. So it was like that. But we didn't that, even know like what does out of hand even yeah, look like? Cause yeah. you know, education, right? So um, that was amazing. And then I was able to jump in the shower. Then I was able to, you know, essentially, she milked me, then I milked me, and then Rafi was able to latch properly. And since then, we haven't had issues. Yeah. Um, but that was really big. So, very grateful for her help. But that was something I didn't expect. Mm. Um, I didn't expect my coccyx to be so sore and yeah. bruised. But obviously, that had to move out of the way for a baby to come down. Yeah. So, of course. Um, and I felt quite raw down there and bruised. Mm. Um, I also thought that if I were to tear that I would really feel the tear after birth mm. and I know some people do regarding especially if it's on the outer um you know like when they go to the bathroom they can really feel the stinging um but I couldn't feel my tear it just felt like everything was bruised and numb and so something that really was a bit of a saving grace was padsticles which is like um maternity pads and they have all these amazing herbs and like witch hazel and stuff like as a liquid you spray them freeze them and then you wear them for 20 minutes a couple of times a day. And it just helps the swelling go down and the herbs obviously help heal everything. So that was really helpful. Um, mm. Very, very helpful actually. Mm. So padsicles, put them in your freezer. <laughs> Take notes. <laughs> Take notes. Um, anything else I didn't expect? And I, even though I expected the um, sensitivity, I think, yeah, like having people over i felt very protective of rafi mm. and i definitely had feelings of shame come up or embarrassment or being like like these are safe people they weren't <laughs> yeah. dangerous people they they knew how to hold babies they were mothers and fathers themselves and i felt this huge protectiveness which i know is natural in the sense of you know it's just quite a primal experience and so mm. there's that's natural to feel protective over your over your young um but i didn't expect the guilt that would come along with that mm. like i really thought i would be okay with just being like actually can i have my baby back but i felt almost awkward like am i allowed to ask for my baby and mm. like you know he's with his grandparents right now like my mom your mom am i allowed to ask for him back um and so like there was this interesting emotional transition happening where it was like oh oh yeah, I'm the authority of my son. Mm. Even though, you know, your mum, my mum had 
they're the parent figure, right? Yeah. So, so there was this interesting um, changeover happening mm. where I was now becoming the parent figure. I'm the mother mm. now and I get to, you know, if, if my baby's crying, I can wait and see if someone else, else can soothe them if they, you know, if they mm. feel like they want to. But if I feel like I want to soothe my baby, I can just have him and soothe, soothe, soothe my baby. So that was all um, a bit confronting, I think, yeah. which I didn't experience. I didn't expect Especially that Especially because... Neither, well, neither of our mums or anyone that came would have had any issue whatsoever. If you're like, can I wrap you back? Yeah. Now? Like, do you know what I mean? So it wasn't like it was an imposed thing, but it's interesting how it's still it there still so comes strongly. Up. And yeah. I think it really goes along with like, you know, being the good girl again mm. and Just that archetype boundaries. of like, actually, I'm allowed to stand up for what I believe in, what I want within my own family unit and mm. protect what I want to protect mm. and keep sacred what I want to keep sacred and share what I want to share. And um, yeah, that good girl energy of I don't want to rock the boat. Like these, you know, the grandparents, they just had their mm. first ever mm. grandbaby. Like I want them to enjoy that at mm. the same time. Mm. I want my baby back. Yeah. So like baby this back, weird, baby back, baby back. Um, yeah, it was just like having to move through all of those emotions was definitely unexpected for mm. me for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice one. Um, and what do you think was the biggest saving grace in terms of things we did prepare for? Because you can do all the preparation in the world, but like we've just heard, there's still going to be things that you don't expect. Um, but from all of the things that we intentionally set up, what do you think was the most in terms of boundaries, in terms of how we intended to spend that much, in terms of practical things? Like what do you think mm. had... Um, the biggest impact on that one was still in it the fourth trimester, but especially that first 40 days um, being so manageable Um, for both of us. I feel like one thing that I think I struggled with a little bit regarding boundaries, but I'm glad that we did what we did was having people coming over so soon. Mm. Um, So initially we wanted to have like the first two weeks of like no visitors except for like our doula and midwife obviously Um, and really take that time to like solidify our own family pod um, to get to know Rafi, to find our rhythm with parenthood and each other and that was all really important to me before birth and – I think circumstantially for us, like my mum was um, living on the Cocos Islands and and all the COVID stuff. So she had to go home. And so we were like time sensitive. Mm. Um, And so the day I gave birth, I was just so elated Mm. and and happy and just so proud. Mm. I was like, I just want my mum to come over. So in that moment, invited her over, which I I don't regret at all. And then the next day, had your mum come over. I don't regret that. Like it was really beautiful to share that. But because we shared it with them, it kind of made me feel like the boundaries were a bit more lax now. And so we kind of allowed more and more people to flow on in. And to be absolutely honest, it was so beautiful to share Rafi with so many people. And it was still pretty chill. It was so, oh, it was still relaxed. But what it looked like on paper versus how it was feeling in my body. Like I really did want those, that first two weeks. Mm. And I feel like I didn't really, um, really stand in, stand in what I wanted with that. Like I was kind of like, Oh, this is all so exciting. It's kind of already happened. And I forgot, you know, I was like, Oh, I can't just draw the line now, you know, two weeks in after we've had all these visitors. So we kind of, um, you know, felt like we had to go away in order to have spaciousness as well. 
Um, mm. Yeah, so I felt like what we did do well, though, was take it so slow. Mm. So even though we took it really slowly, and mm. I'm so grateful that we organized to have <coughs> people come and visit really slowly, and, you know, people wouldn't stay for longer than an hour, and everyone was so respectful of our, of our journey and what we'd just been through, and they just wanted to, you know, of course, celebrate with us, which mm. I wanted. Um, I'm really grateful that we didn't just say, yep, we can have four visitors a day, like, you know, we, we had boundaries around. We would have maximum one visitor a day and they'd mm. stay for an hour. And mm. that was like a boundary that we discussed and, mm. and put in place. And I'm really grateful for that. Because mm. um, even though I was a bit overwhelmed in general with people, um, I knew that that was like my stuff as well, right? Yeah. And like, I think on, I think the biggest thing is you don't know how you're going to feel. Mm. Like... Because, and I remember when you, like that day he was born, you genuinely, it wasn't, I think even if your mum wasn't going back to Cocos, you would have wanted your mum there. hundred like, percent, yeah. And so, it was almost like, we don't know how we're going to feel, so we don't want the expectation that we're having hundreds of guests on day one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing is, you just don't know how, things and yeah. things can change day to day, week to week. So, so it's just, I guess we, we voiced to people beforehand as well, like, yeah. you know, this is what we want as a boundary and then if we change our mind we will change the boundary yeah rather than not having the boundary in the first place and then having to impose something because we feel differently yeah 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 and just um and it's a constant learning process i think we're still yeah still learning (laughs) still navigating that but um yeah even just having the intention that in general we want that first 40 days to be chill like Mm -hmm. not going leaving the house much like you didn't really leave the house for the first two weeks. Well, when yeah. Did you so, first? quick book recommendation, you guys, which is yeah. highly recommended, is there's two books. One is called The First 40 Days, mm. um, The Art of Nourishing the New Mother. And the second book is The Fourth Trimester. Yeah, we'll put them both in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put them in the show notes. They're really great books. And we decided to have a really slow postpartum. Yeah. So even though there was part of me, you guys like, come on, part of me was like, I want to go to the cafe and get the cute pic with my baby. Like, and go to the market. <laughs> and go to the markets. <laughs> and I want to like go show the world. Like I was raw and we were kind of raw as a family and just so new. And so we chose to have a really slow postpartum and that was such a good saving so grace epic. that we had. Um, so we didn't, li- I didn't leave the house at all. All for the first two weeks. <laughs> I remember that first trip out when you went to Crow. You looked like you'd just dropped like some MDMA or something. You were just like, whoa, there's a lot of stimulation happening. Yeah. There's a lot of people so, around. So like, our first social outing, but that wasn't even our first social outing. So our first outing after two weeks was going for a 20-minute walk in the forest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then maybe a, a few days but later, f- a week later, we went to a cafe, which was just a local cafe. Super and chill. It was such a chill, beautiful cafe. And I sat there like, like a, a deer in headlights, <laughs> like I just smoked a joint. And I was just like, you know, I was breastfeeding Rafi at this cafe. And then because it felt so natural because I just had my boobs out, like the whole postpartum mm. period at home. And then I was like, just took my boobs out and was feeding him. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot that like, like this feels very comfortable for me to do. But like, I forgot that sometimes people don't like this. Mm. And then I was like, oh, I'll do it anyway. But it was just like all these thoughts started coming up and it was mm. a bit of like that vulnerability again, right? Like, oh, I am so new at this. Mm. Am I doing it right? Yeah. You know, like those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm really glad our first social outing was 
uh, we waited. Mm. Um, I mean, some people feel really comfortable to do it s- straight up. Um, yeah. But for, for us, I'm gl- grateful. Um, saving Grace, I'm also grateful that we had an incredible doula and that we hired a doula. Because hiring Philly meant that we were educated on things that we probably wouldn't have found otherwise. For example, she organized us a meal train. So there's this app called Meal Train. So and essentially, good. she had a conversation with us saying, um, it's important to have community to nourish you. The last thing you want to be thinking about is cooking food um, while you're trying to bond with a new baby. And, you know, and also you need nourishing food, right? Like it, it can't just be like, oh, we'll quickly just whip something kind of basic up. Because you're breastfeeding, so you're going to need lots of food, really nourishing stuff. So she decided to set us up a meal train where she created in this app how many days we would like to be fed, essentially. And then she... How long was it in the end? It was a few weeks. We just... um, We requested every second night from Mm. our due date. And then it went to every third. And then after like two weeks, it went to every third night. Yeah. Yeah, four weeks. And our friends and community were able to book in... Um, sorry if you're watching the YouTube, guys. I'm like just <laughs> massaging boobs my boobs. The <laughs> little man's sleeping pretty well in the rocker right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were able to book in and book to cook for us, right? And that was Game changer. the most helpful thing I've ever experienced. So if you don't have community, if you don't have people around that can cook for you, something else we did was we froze our own meals. In the lead up. In the lead yeah. up to birth. And that was really helpful as well. Because if yeah, if you don't have people to help you, then do everything you can to help yourself to an mm. extent. So we would cook really amazing meals and freeze them ourselves. And then we also had friends dropping off in an esky out the front. So we they wouldn't have to come in, they wouldn't see us because, you know, we, we didn't know what time would Rafi need me. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. we just didn't know what was gonna go on and what our schedule was like. And they were able to drop food off for us every second night and like the love that we felt so it was a game changer. Like I didn't have to cook for like three and a yeah, half weeks. Yeah, four yeah, four weeks. And because we we I mean we still cooked like lunch and breakfast and that sort of thing. But for dinner, yeah, and most meals that people dropped off actually got us through a couple, didn't epic. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just so nourishing. It allowed me to really just chill out. Um, so all I had to do is kind of keep the place clean. Took three weeks off work, and then even when I went back. Um, it was only a few hours a week. So we had this like big chunk of time mm-hmm. where like all we had to worry about was... Rafi and yeah. bonding together. And, and I with say him. worry about, I mean, there was no worrying. Like <laughs> all we had to do was totally. was just be yeah. together and, in, and enjoy it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you can, it's easy to organize yourself. You don't need your doula to do it. And, and this is a really big thing, I think, was asking, being willing to ask for help and being willing to receive it. Mm-hmm. And that popped up in the lead up. That popped up during pregnancy yeah. in a big way for me. And because I work from home, I've got a flexible schedule. I could kind of, I could help out a lot. Mm-hmm. So when people would offer things, I would kind of, my I could feel my immediate reaction go to, no, it's all good. Like I can do it. Yeah. Like I'll be able to cook because I'm going to be home yep. for, you know, the foreseeable future. You mm-hmm. know, it's not like I only had two weeks. But then I just remember clearly having the the thought, I'm just going to say every time anybody offers anything mm. during this period, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, we did that. And so we just received 
so so much uh-huh. and it's it's amazing how um little it took do you know what i mean it's like when you think community you think you need hundreds of people but really there might have been six women on the meal train seven um i didn't count yeah but it w- that's what i mean it would have been around that much yeah. so it's like it and but yet we felt so supported mm-hmm. the whole time and so being willing to A, ask for help and B, when it's offered, receive it. When it's offered to say yes. Like was, was a game changer. And to say yes, whether you think you need it or not, because at the end of saying yes, you realize you do mm. every time. Like, and it was just, and I guess that just goes to like, you know, how we've been conditioned in society to everyone's kind of living in their own little houses, in their own little boxes mm. within, the, within, you know, towns. And, and we're taught to be able to do it all ourselves. Mm. And then when we get into a relationship, we're then, you know, society speaking, taught to then need everything from the relationship, you know. So we're taught over and over again to like disregard community. Mm. You know, you got to do it all on your own and then you find a partner and then they're supposed to provide you with all of it. And, Mm. you know, like, so it's all these um, just unhealthy little conditionings that have to break down over time. And you think you've move through so much of it and then something else pops up and it's like, oh yeah, this is a deeper layer and a deeper layer and a deeper layer. And so receiving postpartum, like I really felt like I was comfortable with receiving before postpartum, but then I, you know, reflect and I'm like, oh yeah, no, but I, I wanted to do all of my work myself, right? Mm. But I would receive in friendships. I like have exchange and conversation emotionally and that sort of thing. Mm. But, you know, when it came to work, I wouldn't receive. Um, and then came to pregnancy. I'm like, oh no, I'm like, you know, and that's the thing as well. Like we were actually having a really positive experience anyway. And so what I found a challenge to be was postpartum. Everyone was so willing to give and so willing to love on us because like, it also feels really good to give right at the moment. Um, we've been cooking a couple of meals for a friend who has just had a baby and it's like, feels so good to pass that nourishment Tully's world on. famous pumpkin soup. Tully's he's been, been getting a good looking cooking his pumpkin soup. He's like, sits down at the couch the other day. He's like, babe, I think I'm just going to buy like 10 pumpkins and make the biggest soup and then just like put an Instagram story out and see who wants some soup. Yeah. So if you're in the local area and you've had a baby in the last six weeks, hit me up. Like legit though. Like he's yeah. not even joking. He genuinely wants to. So if you have had a baby uh, yeah. in the last six and weeks, you're in Cowie Margs, come then, um, message us so that Tully can cook you some soup. No it's joke. It's real good. Um, <laughs> and it's good soup. Um, but yeah, so a challenge that I faced was... There was part of me that's like, it's okay to receive help in the first couple of weeks because I literally could barely Needed it. walk, you know, mm, like I was sitting in bed. I was first week postpartum, it's in bed. The second week, it's like maybe move to the couch. The third week, move around the kitchen area and home. Fourth week, that's when we can go out, right? So that was our mentality. And so for me, I was like, I'm allowed to receive help in the first couple of weeks, but then I should be able to do it myself. And that was when my stories came up. So I didn't struggle to receive in those first two weeks. But then what condition did I put on myself? Mm. And what was I linking it with? I remember you even voicing that to me. Like that wasn't receiving from community. It was like in the first few weeks, you're okay with me doing everything. Yeah. Because you, you know, like you say, you are not bed bound, but like you weren't moving much. Mm. But then as soon as you were up and about, yeah, you felt like, oh, I should, Mm -hmm. do you want me to cook? Or do you want me to? Yeah. And it's... um. I, yeah, f- I felt really like I needed to, you know, get back into my old self. Not yeah, that my old self cooked very much, of, but yeah, I was yeah, offering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that was when it was challenging for me. And that's when mm. I felt like my personal development had to kind of step up and be like, 
I can still receive even though I can do it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and even though I could easily do it myself, it's still okay to say yes to a meal. It's still mm. okay for our friends to come over and give our house a clean, which mm. they did. And it was amazing. Shout out, Eddie and Cam. That was like so beautiful to come home to a clean house that day. Mm. And like, yeah, so that was... Um, I remember five weeks in, so literally only six weeks ago, guys. Yeah. I remember back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tully went away for a week. Yep. To, um, he went up north to do some relationship and communication workshops for a group of FIFO men, like fly in, fly out on the mine site. Because of COVID, they'd been there for months and hadn't seen their family and they, they needed some help up there. So Tully went up to go do some workshops. And, you know, I'm like five weeks into motherhood and I'm like shit okay I'm gonna have to like solo mum for a week and then I just had this like deep um deep compassion for the mothers who are doing that week one oh. you know like I was just like holy shit I, I the same for the guys so, that are away and from exactly kids I was like five days felt I came home and he was different Mm-hmm. Like it was a different little boy and mm-hmm. when I left and it was five days so I was like that was a taste for us of like just deep gratitude mm. for for our journey, but also just like absolute yeah. honor for for the people who have to, you know, either work away from their babies or have to start solo mumming mm. really early on. Like, yeah, it's hard yakka. So, um, I was like, shit. Okay, I'm gonna have to like solo mum. Um, and so I decided. <laughs> we I like, decided. We decided. Yeah, that <laughs> it would be better for me if. I could go and stay with Haley, who she's, you know, the the boob milker. <laughs> it's her official title. I'm pretty sure it's in her Insta bio. Haley, Haley Lane, Lane you are now the, <laughs> the boob milker. Um, the incredible, amazing, <laughs> the best boob milker in the world. Um, I, sh- I went to go stay at her hotel and I decided, okay, I'll go stay there for five days. Hayley cooks amazing nourishing food. So, you know, she'll be able to help me there mm. and help cook for me while I'm so- looking after Rafi. And also just to like know that there's people in community around rather than just being in my in my house on my own. Um, I tend to get a bit anxious at nighttime if I'm on my own. And so like it was just to kind of overall make the experience good rather than traumatic of Tully going away. And... I put on my Instagram stories that I had booked into a hotel for five days and I remember getting a message and and the woman and I ended up talking it out and it was, you know, uh, all good in the end and we came to a mutual understanding. But I received a message saying how essentially selfish I had been to like make uh, oh, and how I guess like self-righteous of booking into a hotel and making someone cook for me and... um, Basically, it was just feedback for me of, you know, it had obviously triggered and made someone quite uncomfortable that this is what I was doing. And it triggered me and made me uncomfortable with what I was doing and question it for a second being like, oh my God, like, am I allowed to still be asking for help right now, even though I can do it on my own? And this woman and I ended up talking it out and um, it kind of came to the point of realizing that she just didn't get that experience when she was going through her postpartum. You know, Mm. she actually had a really tough time and... Um, didn't have support and help and it made me realize like oh yeah like my my journey of like pursuing the experience of ease and nourishment postpartum but also through our whole journey is likely going to trigger anyone potentially who didn't get that experience um, because it's so uncommon it's not the story that we hear all the time of like 
actually, yeah, we can tr- do our best to create a nourishing experience for ourselves. We can do our best to, you know, stretch ourselves to ask for help and to receive. And it is like that personal growth and it is actually leaning into the discomfort. Mm. Um, and I, I'm sure, you know, self-doubt can sometimes come up and that sort of thing that it did for me. But if we're wanting to paint a new experience for women postpartum, and, and to make and and men and family in general and to create a new normal for what it can be even though there is a lot of struggle that exists and even though a lot of women don't have um extremely empowering experiences of course there's still beauty in it but i i really feel like it's important that we start welcoming the experience of you know a, a joyful postpartum as well making that a part of the conversation as, mm. a, as a new normal mm. so that we can then all work together to create that more within society. Mm. And it's not that it's not, hey, little man's making some noise. Um, and I remember going through the comment thread on one of your posts mm. talking about this and there was so many women being like, yeah, I had an amazing experience, mm-hmm. but I didn't really share or talk about it because I didn't want to make other people uncomfortable. Yeah. So... I wouldn't be surprised if there's actually lots and lots of empowering mm-hmm. positive experiences happening all over the place, but because it's not spoken about, it's not really um, yeah. in that collective consciousness, totally. so to speak. Yeah. So it's like and just th- creating space for conversation of no matter what it is. Yes. It's like, let's just bring it all to the table. Exactly. So we can, yeah, learn totally. from challenges, from wins, from mm-hmm. from all of it. Yeah, because um, I, I agree 100%. Like the, the struggle can be real as well. Mm. And... But also the thriving can be real. Mm. And it's important to have both conversations um, mm. because for so long people wouldn't talk about their struggle because they didn't want to make people uncomfortable. Mm. Then, you know, like people are so much more open with conversation now. So the struggle has come to the table and it's so good to have like real examples of postpartum. Mm. But also our experience, for example, has felt very thriving, very nourishing, mm. very joyful, very, um, if I have the balls to say it, easy. Mm. And that's very real for us. Mm. That is not a fabricated highlight reel. That is like our absolute mm. truth. Yeah. And that needs to be and like it is a uncomfortable real. To it's so uncomfortable to talk yeah. about that because I'm like, oh, I'm going to make everyone who didn't well, have that like, experience um, uncomfortable. It reminds me of and people in the um, money mindset world talking, you know, people t- talking about abundance and teaching about abundance. It's like you're learning more money for one person doesn't mean less money for someone else. Yeah. It's like more joy for one person doesn't mean less joy for someone else. Yeah. So it's like uh-huh. just because, you know, so it's it's breathing into that. And if you're having a good time, it's like talking about that um, doesn't take it away mm-hmm. from anyone else. Totally. Um, and, and I think it's also like, yeah, like, like we and I'll speak for myself personally, mm. but for years, for five or six years, I was working towards being in a position to be able to be set up and enjoy this mm-hmm. time in my life. Yes. It's like when I have kids, where do I want to be? Physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that's been guiding every what I've decision done, you've what made I've done. for five or six yeah. years. Yeah. So the fact that um it's actually been quite a hey I don't know if you call it a full circle or it was a realization of a vision. Yeah. This last two and a half months. It's been quite emotional. But yeah, a, one as I've just taken time off producing, off new ideas, off and to just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, I gave myself two weeks initially and I can't remember when I had my session with Hella. 
Um, but it was like, and I was going to write a post on this this morning, so it's funny that's come up here. But um, she gave the analogy that like I'd, it's like I'd been climbing this stairway of growth mm. and then I'd got to a certain level and I'd opened the door and I'd walked down the hallway and I'd sat in the sunroom and I'm like, oh, this is pretty nice. And then after a couple of weeks, I was going to get up, go back down the hallway and get back on the stairwell, stairwell of growth. And she's like, actually, that sunroom was just one room in a whole penthouse apartment mm. that you can enjoy yeah. and explore. So it's like, take as long as you want yeah. to enjoy what, what's here. Um, because I know for me personally, like so many times you'd have little wins or achieve little goals and then you enjoy it a little bit. Maybe for yeah. a week, but but so you're like, yep, that's enough. I've enjoyed yeah. postpartum. Back next? onto the what's grind, yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, hang on a second. What if just this whole two and a half, nearly three months now, my main priority is just spending time with Rafi, spending or time just with you, be just in enjoying it as much it. as we can. Yeah. Totally. And and we've had to really reflect on our intention for postpartum, and then what we were willing to do to get there. Mm. Because I think often, you know. Um, intentions only part of the picture but then it's like we've really got to be willing to stretch ourselves and so for you like for me it was really you know asking for more help and not uh and navigating any guilt or discomfort that came from that and to lean into community lean into Mm. love and support and for you I feel like it was really to give yourself a pat on the back for the fact that you know you were in a position where you didn't have to worry about going back to work mm. because you'd financially sorted, you know, and also I'm not talking about he sorted it out three years ago financially, like over the pregnancy, mm. we got into a position where you could relax mm. for this time because that was the whole goal. Mm. Like our whole intention was for you to relax. So you did what you needed to do and now it was time to relax. And so for you, your your edge was to actually let yourself yeah. surrender into being present with with life really yeah and it's it's been so funny because the story um oh rafi's back to sleep the story the urge to get back into quote-unquote work mode Mm -hmm. and then what do i need to do so that things keep going the way they are in terms of financially um Mm. and every time i've that's come up i've just kind of caught it and relaxed back into whatever Mm -hmm. is present and business keeps ticking over totally. like, like it's yeah there's more energy around every aspect of our our business I've, than there ever has been mm, yeah. the, like the best medicine we can give our family right now is to sit in our joy mm. and the truth of what that feels like mm. um and i guess also you know i think it's important to address that sometimes for people life happens and yeah. sometimes shit can hit the fan and we have um, we have more control of being able to design more than we give ourselves credit to, but and then life takes over, yeah. right? So we're all going to have um, moments and, and things that happen in our life that are going to happen regardless. And then our job is to to be as present with our perspective and our experience of that as we can. Mm. And, and we can do our best to create that. And yeah, like God, we have still had challenging moments like mm. even when Rafi was really little he got really sick or 
when Rafi was really like firstborn, he had staph all over his genital area. And we didn't realize that staph could even be fatal for newborn babies. And that was um, a bit of a challenge for us and, and guilt of like, did we do this? Like, did were, were, were we the reason that he has staff? Like, how do we navigate this? So every single nappy change, we had colloidal silver and mm. little cotton buds. Mm. And we had to dab every single one of his little blisters that he had all over his um, groin area. And that like every single nappy change and then let them air out. And so every nappy change, which is a two-man job and took us about 40 minutes to do. Mm. And... We did that though and it kind of still felt like it was a challenge and there was emotional stuff going on and like there was a bit of like confusion or guilt or is this us? And this is like the first uh, for about three or four weeks. No, three weeks of his life. When did that, when did it start? It started, no, when he was like basically a day or two old. Really? Yeah, real early on. Because Laura Lee pointed it out when she came and checked. Hmm. And so, yeah, we had to navigate that. But also like we just were as optimistic as we could be with it mm. and then he got sick and got the cold or a flu or something um couldn't breathe out of his nose cold, yeah. um couldn't breathe out of his nose and was trying to feed and were up all night and like trying to like suck snot out of his nose <laughs> and like so like and then we were sick at the exact same time and like so like there's been little challenges here mm. and there but overall like we've been intentionally guiding our experience as much as yeah. we can and we made that decision beforehand, like before you gave birth, um, that mm-hmm. there will be challenges and just to remind ourselves, yeah, to be present with mm. them, to um, ask for help when we need it. So it's like we're pre-framed. So when it did come in, we kind of knew, mm-hmm. even though we were sleep deprived, it's like mm. we're not getting knack at each other because we kind of prepped ourselves for it, Yeah, um, which made it a lot more, mm-hmm. yeah. A lot more manageable. Something that helped me actually, because, you know, obviously sleep deprivation, baby's up during the night, especially in those real early days. Um, And then also, you know, just when your baby's crying, you don't really know what's wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Some like a bit more practical, I guess, tips that um, really helped us was number one, we actually went, I, I felt pretty in tune with Rafi in the sense of I felt like I kind of knew what he was needing when he was upset. However, something that did help is there's this old YouTube video called uh, Baby, uh, sorry, Dunstan Baby Language. I, I'd heard of it years ago when my little sister was first born, she, like when I was 15, because I remember my mom watched something about it. Anyway, it talks about these five different types of cries that mean different things for babies. And it only is that way in the first three months and if you respond to them it becomes like a language that they continue on but if you don't respond to them in that three months for those cries then they'll change it and you won't know and so we learned you know and this was great for tully and he's like oh my god like this is awesome Mm. because it it made sense i guess and so there was a different cry for if he's hungry if he's got gas if he just needs a cuddle if he's uncomfortable if you know he's all of these things and so that was really helpful Mm. especially if um, you're still learning your baby. Mm. Like I felt like I learned Rafi really easily, but it also really helped Tully to learn Rafi yeah. um, as, as the father as well. It's actually really interesting um, learning about the hormonal changes and bonding mm. that fathers go through with their children as well. But I, I want Tully to tell you guys yeah. about it. <laughs> well, it's just basically, and I think we might've spoken about it in um, the pregnancy podcast that we did. Um, but the hormonal changes 
and um, yeah, the neurochemical changes that are responsible for bonding. Um, with women, there there's biological triggers. So because the woman's pregnant, carries the baby, births, like those uh, changes happen. Mm. Um, and then get reinforced by environmental stuff. But for men, the, the triggers to stimulate those hormonal changes so like effective bonding can take mm. place is their environmental triggers, which mm. requires present time with baby. Um, and bonus points for present time with baby with mum not right there. Yes. As well. Yes. Um, and so just, yeah, just being aware of that um, was was really, yeah, it was really cool. And another reason was so grateful that I've been able to be, um, yeah, like work from home. And mm. even though I've been, you know, working this last couple of months, it's been mm-hmm. um, not drastic hours and in between, mm-hmm. you know, client sessions and all of that I can be around because, um yeah, that present time is what can set us up, yeah, to 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 form those bonds, mm. um, yeah, yeah, really well, and then and then yeah, be able to share the share the load, and then I feel like that's why I can settle him so well, and all of those things. Now, obviously, when he yeah. needs a feed, I'm, I'm less <laughs> less equipped, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. been that's been amazing. I, and that I guess comes into the point of like being a mom and like leaning into trusting your partner yeah. with your baby, especially um, you know because I I'd grown up with newborn babies so I felt like I really knew like God I still had lots to learn but I I yeah. had an understanding a realistic understanding of what a newborn would need mm. and that I could have definitely been like, well, you haven't been around newborn, so you don't really know. So just give him here every time he cried. But it was important for me to surrender Rafi to you mm. because I also know how fucking important that father-son bond is as mm. well and, and what that's going to do later on in life as well. Um, and also actually really cool to learn more about – um you know, with, with same-sex couples, especially with, when they're same-sex couples that are men, how their brain can, can change. change and they can have the same things happen to a man's brain that mm. happens to a mother's brain when she gives birth. Mm. And it's just like really like whoever's um, parenting and, and primarily there with the baby, the, the brain mm. changes. And that's, um yeah, that baby series on Netflix. Yeah, go watch it. Netflix babies. Mm. Super good. Um yeah, so let me feel what was important for us postpartum. Well, I guess we're, we're still yeah, into was... it. So work-wise. So Tal mm. and I, we both work from home. We, we work online. And with postpartum, I felt this massive creative <laughs> energy, right? Like you're sitting on the couch feeding all day, every day. There's definitely creative energy that starts sparking. But, and also like... I felt like I've just blown open my creative centers, right? Like my whole chakra system down there is just given birth. And so all of that's alive and active and my heart's expanded because I've got this little baby. And so even though I'm tired, I'm feeling creative. And it was a different sort of creative energy to what I'm used to. Normally I'm used to really like big, sharp, quick bursts of energy. Hmm. When I want to put something out, like I want to make an event in three days time and or for, you know, over three days and that sort of thing. But um this was a different sort of creativity it felt like a really slow soft burn it was the sort of thing that's like i felt these ideas and stuff coming but i didn't have to act on them straight away Mm. and so a learning that i've 
um, been going through is to it's it's okay to not have to keep up with the rest of the world in it's postpartum. Huge for me like too. postpartum is such a tiny little speck of our entire life. Mm. It's it's already going in a blink of an eye. Like I feel emotional every time I think about it. I'm like, fuck, he is growing so fast. Mm. Like he really is. Like it's so cliche when you hear it. You think <laughs> everyone's like, oh, that a blink of an eye, your baby will grow. But like it's so true. They grow so quickly. Mm. We can watch him yeah. grow some nights. He is literally like looks different the next day. Yeah, you wake up and it's like you're a different little boy. And it's so weird because it's like day by day by day by day by day. It's all happening, mm. and you're there every day and you're present for it. And then it you realize and you're like, fuck, like he's not our fresh newborn anymore. Like he's a baby now. Yeah. Um. So it's really been um interesting, and and a good balance and a good a good challenge. Like I've been enjoying the challenge of like being present with him being very in tune with his needs and being there and also exploring this creative energy and being like it's okay mm-hmm. as, especially if you guys are familiar with human design if you're not look into it if you are i'm a generator so i'm supposed to respond to what feels good in my life like mm-hmm. that is me operating at my best potential my best flow and like that's how i'll get into it so for me it's like the mental chatter is, oh, no, like just be present with baby because that can all wait. Hmm. But then there's also the element of, well, if I'm in my absolute truth, I'm really passionate about both right now. I'm so passionate about motherhood and being a mother for my baby. And I'm passionate about exploring my interests and my curiosities. And I can do both, but I'm my, my, um, biggest priority is to just have a really clear balance with that Mm. and so far so good some days i'm like "Mm, yeah probably you know was working a bit much today and i would have rather been more in tune with rafi or Mm. some days i'm like i didn't get anything done and then you navigate like how that feels i love that didn't get anything done except helped a baby grow yeah literally kept a human alive for a whole day what else is there to do i know that's doing nothing so So, so yeah it's been really interesting and cool to to navigate this really slow living Mm. balancing community balancing relationship balancing work balancing Mm. baby and actually there's a conversation as well like how have we been going in our relationship postpartum Mm. you know well i think um i'm just going to touch on something that you said there and then we'll go into relationship because for me especially working online in the coaching world it's it's there was so much um before baby that it's like need to be present need to be posting regularly need to be doing all this stuff to stay relevant to keep up like you mentioned before and this yeah postpartum period has been the permission slip that i needed to let go of any bullshit stories i had Mm -hmm. around that yeah any it's like any shoulds that are still there Mm. and even like what you're talking about like should i be being fully present or should i be Mm. it's like there is no should Mm -hmm. has been like the lesson it's like because i've been the same should i be you know, should this be, should I be cranking into work mm. now? I'm a month in. I should, like, I mean, I should be inspired should to be build. getting back into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Or, but, like, if you fuck off all the shoulds, what feels most yeah. true oh my right God. now? Yes, like, and there are no, there are actually no fucking rules mm. with this. With parenthood, with postpartum, with pregnancy, birth, with mm. your life. Yeah. There What's, are actually no <laughs> rules. Like, you get to make it up. Mm. Yeah. And so it's it's just been highlighting that, and it's interesting um, 
and the gift of of Rafi is that he's back to sleep. He's been such a champ. Um, is that he would bring me back mm-hmm. every morning. I have that playtime with him. I'm just like, this is the most important part of my day. Yeah. Like, and, and having that um, reminder mm-hmm. um, and that present time, knowing, like, knowing that other stuff will evolve mm-hmm. as it should, mm-hmm. knowing that we're open to receiving. Um, yeah, in all ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just ironic that I would have done the least amount of work on in terms of business yeah. in the last three months and it's cranking yeah. like fivefold yeah. more than more than it has before. So And it was important for us to um, you know, our, our values realigned, right? Mm. So even though we love working, like yeah, we, we, we love really what love we what we do, yeah. do and we really enjoy, you know, being able to help people in that way. Also, our time and energy for Rafi is so fucking important. Mm. And for each other. Like mm. these our our home life still needs to be the utmost priority. Mm. And how we feel at home, mm. so then it unflows into everything else. And we yeah. can work better when we feel good at home. Yeah. We can, you know, so we, for the first time, have created so much extra automation with what we do, mm. so much more hands off and time freedom so that we can be present with our family. And that has changed the freaking game mm. like so much. Yeah. Um, delegation. Yeah. Life delegation business. And if you don't work for yourself, if you do, it's like, what what can I delegate? What can I yeah. systemize so that there's more spaciousness? 100%. Like um, really, really question like, okay, what in my life can I uh, work on and change so that it creates more ease and more flow? Because everyone's circumstances are going to be so completely different. Mm. And some people have way more wriggle room than others. But like everyone probably has one or two things that they can shift and make that tiny adjustment mm. so that it creates more of that presence and flow yeah. and ease yeah for sure um but i want to talk about abusive relationship yeah um yeah where do we start i think it's um i feel like it and the birth initiated like a whole new depth in our relationship mm-hmm. um yeah, and it was already pretty rock solid. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, like witnessing you in that, um, what? Well, yeah, something shifted for sure. Yeah, because um, you knew how badass I was all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I don't want to fuck nice with work. her no more. <laughs> nice work, babe. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that has been palpable, and I just feel like where, I've, yeah, it's like. You just feel like a rock solid mm-hmm. unit, like a yeah. real, a real that feeling of teamwork. So, so what are the things I guess that we did for ourselves? I don't ourselves? think we. Di- um, that's the thing. All of the prep we've talked about created space for us to just be mm-hmm. in it yeah. through the birth and through the postpartum, and us just being so it, present yeah. with it did it. Like, yes, like, I wasn't consciously being like, "How can I transform the relationship this week?" Like, so I feel like the work that we've done in the years leading yeah, up yeah. to this moment was so important yeah. for starters. Um, you know, we literally live together, work together, own a relationship, a parenting together. Like a lot, of, there's a lot of togetherness, right? Yeah. So we have to be on in order yeah. for our life to flow. Um, but postpartum, something I really appreciated from you and from myself was that there was never any pressure for it to look or feel differently to what it was in that moment. Yeah, yeah. 
like there was no pressure from you that we needed to or from me that we needed to be like making love or that we needed to be intimate there was no pressure that um you know our roles needed to be any different like you just something that was very helpful from you actually was the word yes (laughs) and anything i asked of you you were of course babe like Mm. i was like babe can you grab me that glass of water or could you hold Rafi so i can go pee or can you do this and you know i was asking a lot of you because i i needed to and of course of course and obviously you wouldn't have done anything if you really didn't really Mm. didn't want to and you were honest whether you had the space and time and energy to but i really appreciated your willingness to just go above and beyond because that was Mm. really helpful Mm. but i also appreciated your commitment to yourself and your morning routine and making sure that your own I guess like energetic, spiritual, physical hygiene was, and physical hygiene, not meaning you stay. I shower. <laughs> you shower. I meant like you'd go work yeah. out and that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for showering, babe. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for doing that. your teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like that was all really important because that meant you were able to be more on for yourself and for us. Mm. And, and I feel like that's yeah. something that did slip initially for me like i felt it and then i noticed um because what would happen if i'm not on in that regard is i would get frustrated yeah and as soon as i noticed i was like oh wow i'm getting frustrated i um i haven't felt this in like six Mm. weeks and then i was like oh okay i really need to dial in Mm -hmm. so i'm getting that even if it's 40 Mm -hmm. minutes or whatever it is that space um throughout the day Mm -hmm. because initially the hormones really because it was like home birth we stayed in this space i reckon the first couple of weeks were just hormone fueled <laughs> just um, oxytocin and we literally yeah. felt like we'd dosed mdma for like yeah. two weeks yeah um it was, um, it was great <laughs> yeah would do again yeah yeah and yeah so i definitely that was became really intentional at the sort of three or four week yes. mark after the hormones yeah. so kind of settled down but yeah, um, so you you caring for yourself though that that helped our relationship feel cared for. Even yeah. though I wasn't, I didn't really have the space to just go and do a morning routine and stuff <laughs> straight up. Like to be honest, I Your was like, "There's was an extra baby. hour of sleep, I'm gonna take it." Yeah. Um, even now, like I, I feel like I could probably do a routine somewhere through the day, but you know that hasn't been my priority. But well, yeah, and it's just yeah, yeah you get into your um, different habits and your flows. And so. I had healed up because I had a second degree tear in my perineum. I had healed up probably by week three and a half, three, three and a mm-hmm. half. Had to check up week four. It was all good. So essentially we could have the tick off of being intimate week four. Something that I'm really grateful we also did was we made intimacy without penetration a mm. priority mm. from day one we would make out and kiss at any chance that we would get really, mm, mm. you know, and we maintained like a flirty sort of energy. And I like did not feel sexy. Let's be honest. I'm like mum bun. I had this huge hormonal breakout all over my face. My milk's, are, this, my milk's are leaking everywhere. My, bo- <laughs> my boobs are leaking everywhere. Um, you know, I maybe had showered yet. Maybe not. Maybe had some baby vomit on me. Like, so I wasn't feeling sexy, but, it didn't matter because we were still flirting and we were still making out. And so it didn't feel like I needed to be anything Mm. for you to want to be with me. We were just like in that love bubble. Mm. Um, And then um, as, 
and you know we we made the space to have deeper conversations and actually the first three weeks every maybe four or five days we would have like a check-in where we would sit down and eat dinner and be like let's just have a quick check-in how are you feeling right Mm. now how is everything going for you and we had intimacy in our conversations we had intimacy Mm. um you know through making out or cuddling on the couch or that sort of thing and obviously there's so much intimacy and just like you know seeing your son be Mm. born like Mm. so we made sure that we created intimate moments without sex so that sex didn't become this thing that we like had pressure on or had Mm. to wait for and look like i healed pretty fast if someone's had a c-section or had a bit more of like a um you know a different sort of birth than we did like that healing time might be even longer Mm. so um i found like that was really important for, for us to maintain that connection rather than slowly have that separation yeah and i think um also choosing the story that and we'd spoken about this a bit beforehand Mm. but i knew our sex life was just going to get better after kids we we were also intentional about that like what if it could just get better yeah and so that's what there was no i guess pressure Cause I'm like, when it happens, it's going to be epic. Um, <laughs> and fun fact, so, guys, and, for us, we find parent sex way sexier. Yeah, it's way hotter. I'm like, whoa, this is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fuck, we better be careful. Otherwise, <laughs> baby number two will come oh, along. God. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be ironic, wouldn't it? But again, it's not like it's all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I think we've literally, it's been three months and we've had sex twice. Yeah. And this is just because, you know, I like getting all real and be like, this is our reality right yeah. now. This is what, so we've had sex twice and it's been late at night and it has not been, you know, the three hour tantric lovemaking we've done in the past, but it's been fucking awesome. Mm. And it was just different. Mm. And we were just so open to it being different. We didn't need it to be the same as it was. We mm. were very open to our experience and our life evolving into what is coming rather than holding on to what has been yeah. with our relationship, with our sex life, with work, all of it. Yeah. And I think part of the reason um, I part of the reason it took so long to have sex that first time is because initially we wanted to almost like have some sort of ceremony and yeah. make it really... We wanted to make it so special. Yeah. And then... <laughs> You know, and, and there's merit to that. But then it kind of got to the point of, um, again, being attached to how we wanted it to look. Yeah. And then it just happened that so, one night. So one night I'm laying there just, in bed and buzzing and I'm just like, mm. And she just jumped, don't, jumped me. If I don't do it, <laughs> it won't happen. Yeah. Because this ceremony thing is get like, you know, we're probs not going to have time, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, so yeah. just, yeah. Yep. Seduced you like, like I do. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that was that. There you go. Um, <laughs> other, yeah, I think as, yeah, it's just good when you go through mm. something like that, yeah, it just deepens everything. And I think that's why um, a lot of our business stuff at the moment that's really cranking is the stuff we're doing together mm. because that connection is, um, yeah, I don't know. It feels like, and I think it was Edwina. Well, we like being around each other for well, starters. Well, <laughs> yeah, and it's, um, it's. what am I trying to say? It's almost like we've slipped into and gotten used to this aspect of our life. It feels so normal. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't feel weird to mm-hmm. be parents. It doesn't feel weird yes. to have Rafi. It doesn't feel, it's like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and so with that, 
that extra energy is just kind of like supercharged everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like especially for for me wanting to be a mum for so long and and essentially fucking like researching motherhood from a, a practical sense of like books or you know watching birth videos that sort of thing but also then just from like a personal study of watching mothers watching mothers experiences listening to the conversation being had and then deciding if i wanted to be a part of that conversation or have this conversation or like you know like just seeing Mm. everything and essentially like self-studying it um and then going to open days when we weren't even Oh, my pregnant. God. We oh. literally, guys, we went to – there was a, a, um, <laughs> like a an alternative creepy, daycare opened up. And it, it was um, really awesome. Like they, they put yeah, the kids to legit. sleep out in these amazing little cots, like out under trees. meditation tent and all kinds of – Meditation tent, clay room where they play. do ceramics. Yeah. They had like goats and they, it was all kind of, I think, a bit – Diana Waldorfian sort of education and it was like a daycare really awesome on this gorgeous property with like grass and palm trees and I went to the open day on my own because they As had free do. they had free pizza so I was like yeah I'm going pizza that you probably couldn't even eat <laughs> oh yeah I was there for the pizza didn't eat a slice <laughs> nah they had one one plant-based pizza anyway that's besides the point probably <laughs> the point is I went my jaw dropped And I was like, this is so cool. There were all these cute kids running around and these amazing families. And I was just like in my heaven. We were not even pregnant. Like we weren't (laughs) even in our baby prep, actually. It was right at the beginning, right at the beginning of our baby prep. I think we were in. So I had driven half an hour there. I got in the car, drove half an hour home, said, Tully, get in the car. Well, you didn't. You were nice about it. You were excited. Tully, I'm Sorry, telling a story. Let story. me just I'll tell let you my go. fucking my story, all right? Continue. Continue telling your story, man. Tully, where was I? Get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and then we drove half an hour back to this thing and we walked around like, yeah, we could do this with our future kid and this with our future mm. kid. And we sat on top of the hill as the sun was going down and there were like fairy lights and all these families were sitting there with their kids eating pizza. And we had this moment of like, we're just the two creepers with yeah. no kids sitting on the yeah, hill yeah, watching yeah. everybody. I was like, baby, it is time to go. <laughs> and so, yeah, we got in the car and I was pretty keen to make a baby that night, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But um, I stuck to the plan. <laughs> anyway, why did we even say that story? Do you remember? No. Nah. No. Nah. Nah, okay. Well, there's, we're, there's we're a bonus the, story. We're, <laughs> we're just losing the plot. <laughs> we've I think, just I think been we've said everything we wanted to say and we're just like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so what we were saying before was just that because of all this self-study, I was very prepared for this time of hmm. life. And so there's this deep sense of fulfillment within me that I, um, I, th- I really intuitively felt like I was going to have. Like that's mm. why motherhood was so important for me was because I knew deep in my gut, like this is a huge, huge aspect of my path that I cannot avoid. Like it needs mm. to happen and, and and it's crucial for me in my evolution as a human being. Mm. And so now that we're in it, like, you know, because I, I guess like our journey was somewhat, I guess, you know, planned. Mm. So it wasn't like it was just surprise. Now deal with all your shit really quickly and become a mom. Like, mm. which... Like, you know, um, my beautiful, like, best friend Erica went through, oh, shit, pregnant. Okay, cool. Now i got to deal with everything. Mm. And she did an amazing job. But, God, like, that's confronting for mm. a lot of people, right? So, 
yeah, I really just felt like because of how we did things, I've been able to lean into and relax into this fulfillment and actually feel that rather than being swamped with the overwhelm. Because mm. there's definitely still moments that are overwhelming. Mm. Um, and there have been moments where I've wanted to cry and moments where I've, you know, really, um, yeah, I want to say overwhelm rather than struggle because even in the overwhelm, I feel like we, we handle it, right? But... Yeah, so I guess what I'm wanting to say is like I'm really grateful that we've been so intentional and I'm mm. grateful that we have an opportunity to share this and like we said at the start, our way is not the only way. God but no. um, it brings me so much joy to be able to talk about this. Yeah, just to have these conversations. Yeah. like And on a platform like this is just really cool. Um, yeah. And we love hearing about people's journey where they're at, their excitement now and we are like guys reach out and, they're t- like they're pregnant well not them their partner's pregnant <laughs> um yeah it's just really inspiring and, and really awesome to to have these conversations yeah um yeah did you have anything else postpartum um, that you wanted to talk about yeah one more thing one more thing my beautiful people who are listening postpartum is not a six-week job and it's not a three-month job, and it's not a one-year job. Postpartum is an ongoing experience for any mother, also father, family, um, for the rest of your life, really. And it's really important to give, have honor and reverence for the fact that when you give birth, whether it be your first baby, your second baby, your third, etc., you are rebirthing yourself as a woman, as a mother, your partner is being birthed into a father or again as a father and you're birthing your baby and therefore you're also birthing a family or, you know, so what that is, is as a, especially as the the mother, you're rebirthing yourself. So now you are essentially in your newborn phase and just like we have a newborn baby and we don't expect them to soothe themselves and look after themselves, we look after them. Just like we are reborn ourselves, we need to be looked after and we need to be soothed to an extent by our family or our community or the people that we're, even if that's an online community, guys, like it doesn't have to look a certain way. It can look any way. Yeah, but I highly, highly recommend build it in person. Build it in person. But if but you being can't able to like, drop soup off to someone. Yeah, but what I mean, like there's Facebook groups of mothers yeah. that you can be like, Get it who any can way I cook you can. for and yeah. who can cook for me, yeah, you know? Like 100%. have, there's opportunity everywhere, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, what I want to say is it's that you you have yourself that newborn tender phase postpartum where you've just been reborn. And from there, you then start to grow, grow up essentially as a mother, as a father, as a family. And then you have another baby and you're mm. reborn again and et cetera. So not only to have reverence and patience and gentleness for yourself through that time but also know that the mothers who are five years in and they've got five-year-old kids or 10-year-old kids they are still postpartum it doesn't end it's not just this box that you tick it like yeah we've done postpartum so just um to it, it would be really cool if if you're listening to this and you reach out to the mothers in your life and just see you know if anyone needs help mm-hmm. you know because having a four-year-old can still be just as challenging as having mm. a new-year-old or a new-year-old, <laughs> a newborn. Um, you know, I, I know for sure my mum needed help with seven kids and I was 
15. Mm. Um, so it's just, yeah, acknowledging that everyone has their own very unique journey. Everyone's learning what they need to be learning. Like it's all the bigger picture of it all. It's all mm. as it is, right? But to also then zoom in and be like, well, where can I nourish my community and where can I allow myself to be more nourished and just create this circulation of love and of energy and of, of connectedness. Because at the end of the day, when you're up at 3am feeding your baby, so is most other mothers. Yeah. And when you've got a crying baby and you don't really know why, most other parents are going through the same thing. And like, so essentially we're all going through a very similar journey and we're all in it together mm. and it can feel so separate because we're all in our own little houses and yeah. it, you know, but like it's so deeply connected and it's the power of sharing mm. and connecting with people and talking about it is a problem shared is a problem halved mm. a joy shared is a joy doubled Ooh, like yeah. when we share <laughs> celebration it amplifies it and we share struggle it dilutes it, it a, a little bit, bit. Yeah. yeah of course and so there's there's real power in that and that's kind of what community does Mm -hmm. and it reminds me of what um philly said i can't remember where she said she got the little catchphrase from but it's like mothers don't need self-care they need community care Mm -hmm. there's all this like the self-care revolution um which is an important aspect of it but really that community care is like Mm -hmm. mamas don't necessarily just need a bath even though baths are really nice they actually need to be like held and loved and nurtured as a mother. And that's what we got to experience, got a visceral mm. experience of over this. And that's been the biggest thing for me because we've always had online community. Mm. We moved down here, but being open to receiving and supporting by our community has yeah. shifted things. Totally. Like our life is fundamentally different and will like be on forever. On a DNA level, yeah. like yeah. it's really like activated yeah. codes and i really want to go real woo woo right now yeah. but we're just, just gonna as, as we're wrapping up i'm just, like just pause like tell us like yeah, cut it cut it just, yeah. <laughs> and that's a wrap we'll <laughs> see you guys next week no, we will have that conversation another day but thank you guys so much for listening to this big episode. love guys um super stoked that you're here and we're able to have this conversation with you it means the world really it does yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it feels it's, so hot in our heart and we're really yeah. grateful for the space yeah. to be able to do that and so yeah reach out like if this is resonating if you've got questions if you want yep. to share share stuff like reach out to us um, find us on instagram yeah we'll put all of our bits and bobs in the um in the show notes and and, and we we really love it when we get to read other people's journeys and experiences so if, make sure that you're sharing if, if it feels right for you, whether it's, you know, the hardships or the celebration, I feel like they both equally need to be shared. So thank you guys for listening and we will see you in the next. Oh, guys, this is the end of our birth conception. Yeah, our four-part. Pregnancy, postpartum series. The birth series, of the podcast. Our little four-part mm. series. So thank you for, if you listen to all of them, or maybe this is the only episode you've listened to so far, but <laughs> we've got a four-part series. Um, yeah preconception and baby prep birth and tully's experience of birth because i've already shared my pregnancy before oh yeah and pregnancy before birth and yeah postpartum so um if you haven't listened to all of them or even guys if you have friends who are going through the preconception the pregnancy journey the postpartum the birth like and you listen to any of our podcasts and feel like it would resonate with them please share Share it with them because we your stories you never know the whole reason we're doing this podcast is to share yeah right so and tag us when you do so we can get around it yeah all right guys awesome guys big love guys chat soon bye